Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any And it deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. My name is Pastor Ken Cruzado, and this week, at least for the first three days of this week, I have I've had the privilege of filling in for Pastor Ron Arbaugh, my pastor, who is uh, at a conference in California. He's at the International Calvary Chapel Senior Pastors Conference there in Diamond Bar at Raw Reese's Church. He was there Monday, Tuesday, and he's finishing up the conference today, and so he will be en route back here to San Antonio to arrive here at home later tonight where it is chilly for him. So keep him in prayer. He's enjoying a nice California warm weather and then he's coming home to, well, something less than warm. And if you know him, you know how challenging that is. In the meantime, we will continue here with the Where to Stand on for Life. This is, as you may know, a, a radio show where we take your Bible questions, questions about what the Word of God says, what it means, how to apply it to our lives. And here's why we do this, because we want you to fall deeper in love with Jesus than ever before. And so with that, I'll give you the phone numbers to call into the show, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. If you're out of the area, there's a toll-free number available to you. That's 877-630-5757. That's 877-630-KSLR. That's 5757. The email address, if you want to call in, is or if you want to email your questions is questions at calvarysa.com questions at calvarysa.com we've also got our church app where you can submit questions you can also call in uh, using the KSLR app if you happen to be on the road either way we provided many avenues for you to submit your questions and we want to welcome them well like I've already said it's the Wednesday edition so you know what that means here at Calvary Chapel let me quickly tell you what we've got going on Wednesday means it's the Old Testament uh, Bible study night here at Calvary Chapel. So since Pastor Ron is not here tonight, Pastor Rich Ortiz it will be teaching, and he'll be teaching from Deuteronomy chapter 8, a wonderful chapter. I have no idea what he's going to say, but I know that chapter is a wonderful exhortation for the Israelites to remember what the Lord has done. What a practical application, a perfect practical application for us who are Christians. It's never a bad thing to remember what Jesus has done for us. Um, so that's what's going on tonight, 7 o'clock, here at the church, and you're invited. Uh, like I said, Pastor Ron is wrapping up. He'll be back uh, tonight. That means uh, he'll be back here in the radio 
uh, studio tomorrow, both him and Paula, for the Date Day edition. I'm sure they're going to have a lot to share, a lot that the Lord has been speaking to their hearts about. And together, they'll be here back in the studio. So, 4 o'clock tomorrow for the Date Day edition. In the meantime, I've given you the numbers. Let me uh, share just a couple of things before we get started on the questions. Um, many of you have been praying and and continue to pray for for Pastor Frank Pomeroy and his family and everything that's been going on in the First Baptist uh, Church there in in Sutherland Springs. Uh, I caught wind of something today that was encouraging, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. Uh, I haven't had any direct contact uh, with anyone from the church, but uh, I'm going to share a story in a minute. But I heard that the, the church, the First Baptist Church, is actually having their Sunday services uh, this coming Sunday. And uh, they're going to have it right across the street, I believe, at the community center there in Sutherland Springs. But that's an encouragement to me and to everybody who has been praying because uh, the work continues. And, and from what I hear, uh, everyone who is going through a difficult time there in the community, obviously hearts are still hurting and, and recovering, uh, being with Jesus through the difficult time, but yet the work continues. And this is the way that hearts are healed. Um, so the work continues, and the Spirit of God providing the supernatural healing through the work that God wants them to carry out. What a great encouragement. It reminds me of, of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. And, and if you remember at the beginning of the second letter, uh, he was exhorting them, encouraging them through difficulty. He was telling them of how proud he is that their work continued. And that's, that's what I was thinking about with, with Pastor Frank and, and the First Baptist Church and I hope that encourages you this afternoon. One last thing, and then we'll get on to the questions. Uh, I would ask our radio audience to keep Joe and Michelle in prayer. Uh, I was able to visit with Joe. Joe and Michelle both come to our church here uh, at Calvary Chapel. And, and Joe is someone who personally has experienced in his own life how God can do miraculous things. Uh, the short story, the short version of, of Joe's story is this. Three years ago, about three years ago, he had stage three cancer and uh, was not a believer. But uh, through the difficulty that he was going through, through the physical issues that he was enduring, um, he heard uh, about his sins being forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ. And in the midst of his pain, he cried out to the Lord, and he entered into a brand new relationship with Jesus. He became born again. And both him and Michelle, his wife, have been walking with the Lord, and now they're going through an, another physical difficulty. Um, and so I would encourage the radio listening audience to, to keep Joe in prayer. He has uh, given me uh, free reign to share his story. Uh, but what the neat thing is, Joe and Michelle are, are, are in, uh, I guess what you'd call a, a motorcycle type of fellowship with, uh, with, with Pastor Frank of uh, First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. And uh, Joe was actually at uh, Annabelle's birthday party a few weeks ago. And, you know, this is just near and dear to his heart, to his family, and to our church family's heart. Um, but he was the one that was telling me that they're planning to have service again this Sunday. So it's just neat how the Lord brings uh, people together and uses them to, to help us heal together. Um, he always provides the grace we need when we need it. And so please pray for Joe. Thank you for that. Well, let me give you the radio numbers one more time, then we'll jump right into the questions. 210 uh, 340 
the toll-free number, again, 877-630-5757. It's KSLR on your phone. The email address, questions at calvarysa.com. All right, our first question of the day uh, comes from Scott. Uh, How do you organize your Bible reading? Do you have a plan to ensure you will eventually read through the entire Bible? Well, Scott, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, the the Bible reading plans. I've I've, uh, tried them before, and I can see how they help some people. Me personally, uh, I say I'm not a big fan of them because, uh, though it keeps me, help me stay on track, uh, sometimes uh, I just find it, 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 it moves me faster than I think the Spirit wants to move through the Scriptures, and, and sometimes it may move a little bit too slow. And so um, I don't follow one of those reading plans, but in terms of organizing my Bible reading, uh, it's actually simplistic for me. Uh, I just uh, go through the Word, um, and I, I, I'm teaching the the letter, of Paul's letter to the Ephesians on the Monday night men's study, and so that I have in my my study time of reading. But uh, I've also been meditating through Paul's letter through the Philippians in my own personal reading time, uh, and. Uh, there, there is no uh, method or plan that I have. I just kind of go through it systematically. But you know, here's what I do, Scott. Though, when there is a uh, a letter or a book that I'm reading, I usually go through it uh, a few times uh, at a quicker pace to get the general context, and I'll do that uh, more than once. A few times, and then then I'll go back over it and read through it uh, a little slower. Um, and then when I do that, because I have the general context of the book or the letter in the back of my mind, uh, I'm able to understand um, what where the text is going and, and what context it is. And then and then I can pick out uh, big bits and pieces as I go systematically through it and. And, and section by section and verse by verse. Um, and that's how the Lord, I think, takes the Word of God and makes it living and active. Um, uh, there is a, a different way of reading that I have when it comes to actually studying the Word. I'll go through a more in-depth study, like I am through Ephesians, um, versus what I'm doing in my personal time, which is, like I said, through the, the Thessalonian letters. But um, I don't want to limit God to just uh, one methodology. And so uh, in addition to this, Scott, uh, I won't limit myself to just one particular translation. Oftentimes, uh, and Pastor Ron does the same thing, oftentimes you know, there, you will glean uh, certain phrases and fra- uh, phraseologies uh, from the different translations that will come across uh, in different ways than they would if you were just to stick to one version. And, and that helps uh, broaden your understanding of the context of what's being said. In fact, I, I love using the NLT and uh, even the Living Bible sometimes to get an even simpler translation. Now, uh, sometimes uh, the translation is, is uh, it doesn't give me clarity, but then oftentimes what I'll find with the Living Bible is uh, because it's not a translation, it's, um, it's more of a paraphrase. It'll help me get a general context of what's being said, and I, and I like that. That's that's useful. So Scott, uh, don't limit yourself to one of these reading plans, um, and don't limit yourself to just one translation. Here's the main thing, Scott: get into the Word and let the Word get into you. How you organize it is up to you. Just do it, and I promise you, what you'll do is open up. Uh, uh, your heart and your mind to God's heart and to God's mind and your life will change. You do it systematically and you do it consistently. And then 
just watch what the Lord will do. So, Scott, I hope that helps. All right, let's move on to the next question that was submitted. Uh, this question comes from our mobile app. This one's from John. Uh, John says, why do we hold to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church? John, this is an important question. And uh, though the the eschatological, that's the your study of the end times, your eschatological view does not... Uh, it's not essential in terms of your salvation, it is essential in terms of your uh, your relationship with the Lord. And here's what I mean by that. How you view the end times dictates how you live your life today. And why we hold to a pre-tribulational rapture of the church is because uh, we believe this is how uh, you, the only way you can properly and clearly interpret the Bible in a literal sense. Now, there are other views out there, and there are many other people who love the Lord, who are saved, that have uh, differing eschatological views. And, and that's fine, but a pre-tribulational view, a pre-trib rapture uh, of the church, we feel is clearly outlined in Scripture in many places. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but uh, when you read the Bible, um, especially through the Thessalonians passage, uh, particularly in, in verses 13 and 16 of the fourth chapter in his first letter, of Paul's first letter, it, it, it's a pretty clear indication that there is uh, the coming down the, of when Jesus will meet us in the air and will be caught up. The word there is caught up together. Now, people may say that the word rapture isn't in the Bible, though that may be true. The word rapturos, which is the, the Latin translation of that word from caught up, that's where we get the word rapture from. And that means we will, those of us who are still alive, will be caught up in the air to meet Jesus and then forever be forever changed. Uh, where, and here's what I love the most. Uh, Paul says in that same passage in, in the fourth chapter, he says that we are to encourage each other with these words. And so what I was saying earlier, John, is we hold to this pre-tribulational rapture of the church because the Bible describes the rapture of the church as being pre-trib, that means before the tribulation, but also because this is how, this is what dictates how we live today. Paul says that these words are meant to encourage us. If we know that the Lord is coming for his church and there is no other um, event that needs to take place according to the scriptures before the rapture, it could happen at any time. If there's nothing else that needs to happen before Jesus comes, that will dictate how we live today. Practically speaking, it means this. We won't let the things that are not that important bother us. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says in the fifth chapter to redeem the time. The time in light of the fact that the time is coming soon when Jesus will come for his church. How then shall we live? We ought to love one another, have grace for one another. We should, we, we should bear our, each other's burdens uh, so that we can help people to see Jesus. We could tell people that forgiveness for their sin is available if they want it. What I especially love is, is in this same passage when Paul is writing, the, the personal pronouns he uses, he includes himself. He says, we who are still alive. You know what that means? That means that Paul expected Jesus to come when he was alive. He expected Jesus to return for his church while he was still alive. And though some may frown upon that and say, well, it's been a thousand years, years later what happened 
Well, we know that's because of God's patience. God is not willing that any should perish. So that means for the time that we have left, God in his great mercy and his unlimited patience, or his patience, is waiting till the fullness of the Gentiles has arrived. That means the last person will get saved and then the rapture will happen. In the meantime, John, we hold to this pre-tribulation uh, teaching of the, uh, of the rapture of the church because that's what the Bible says. Let that be an encouragement. Let's not stop telling people that Jesus is coming and because he's coming, we want to live as if he's coming today and tell people about him. Uh, so I hope that helps, John. Let me get back to the phone numbers. The phone numbers for your calls to the radio show is 210-340-9585. That's 210-340-9585. The toll-free number if you're out of the area is 877-630-5757. That's 877-630-KSLR. Questions at calvarysa.com. That's uh, the email address if you want to submit questions that way. Questions at calvarysa.com. All right, let's move on to our next question. We've got just a little bit under five minutes left for the first half. Wait, no, I did that question already. Uh, let's see this one. Oh, I did that question already too. Let me move this way. One more. Oh, yes, I haven't done this one yet. Okay. I sound like Pastor Ron, don't I? <laughs> okay. Uh, this question comes from Rich, and this is in our email inbox. How would you encourage someone who feels called to be a pastor, and what advice would you give them? He says, thanks. Oh, I love this question. I, I know that this is a question that's uh, it's been asked before here on this radio show, but uh, every time it's asked, we, we love to provide this word of encouragement because we know that when someone is called to be a pastor, it is a good thing. That's exactly what Paul tells Timothy in the third chapter of his first letter to him. He says, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, that's what we would call a pastor. He desires a noble thing. Now, we also know that, that James says not everyone should desire to be a teacher. Why? Because there's a stricter judgment. There's stricter judgment for us who are teachers. That's not meant to scare anyone, but it is meant to do this, to examine your motives. So, the first thing I would say is this. Examine your heart. What's your motive for, becoming, for wanting to become a pastor? Is it because you love the way uh, your name sounds with the word pastor in front of it? And I know that sounds silly, but there are people that I know that just wanted to be called pastor so-and-so too much. Uh, is it because you want to have business cards that show your name that say Pastor Ken on it? Uh, that would be someone whose motive is not right. Because that's a selfish motive. But for someone that feels led by the Lord to be a pastor, my encouragement to you would be to pursue it with all that you have. And it isn't about credentials. It isn't about seminary. It isn't about uh, articulation, how well you speak. You, you have to know the Word. You have to be able to teach the Word. Second. Um, Timothy chapter 2 is a wonderful encouragement. Now, uh, the context there is Paul speaking, talking to Timothy about the servant of the Lord, but that's, and, and I want to elaborate on this a little bit more probably after the break since I'm within two, two minutes, but uh, 
what I want to say to you, Rich, if you know somebody or if you yourself are called to, to be a pastor, that's something you pursue with all of your heart. It's the word, the word, the word. I love when Pastor Ron uh, repeats that because that's the truth. A pastor has to be able to teach the Bible. You can't teach what you don't know. And I'm not talking about uh, teaching the Bible from a simply technical perspective. Anyone can do that. Uh, But I'm talking about teaching the Word of God so that people can be built up and know who Jesus is. That people would know the heart and mind that come uh, with being with Jesus. And the advice that I would give them is that get to know who Jesus is at a deeper level um, you also have to love God's people if you are called to be a pastor and you say to yourself that you're not really a people person well then you're not called to be a pastor and so uh, I have much more on this we'll elaborate on in the second half you can hear the music. That means we're coming up on the end of the first half of the Where to Stand on for Life. My name is Pastor Ken. I'm filling in for Pastor Ron today. And so uh, we'll be back after this two-minute break. See you then. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the wednesday edition of the word to stand on for life my name is pastor ken cruzado and uh, at least for the first half of this week, I've had the great privilege of filling in for Pastor Ron Arbaugh. My pastor, uh, he is in California with Mama Paula. They are at the Calvary Chapel Senior Pastors Conference uh, Monday, Tuesday, and ending today, Wednesday. He will be on his way home late tonight uh, where it is a lot colder than it is where he's at. So keep him in prayer. He wanted me to communicate again to the radio listening audience how much he misses you um, and and how he and both Paula long to be back here. They will be back here in the studio tomorrow, 4 o'clock, for the date day edition. And I'm sure there is lots on their heart that they want to share with you. And so they arrive later tonight. Keep them in prayer. Uh, oh, let's go... Let's go right to the phone lines. Uh, we got a caller waiting. I don't want to keep them waiting. Um, line one, Rick from San Antonio. You're Hello. on the air. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, I talked to some KWs uh, Sunday. Talked to some Seventh Day Adventists uh, last Wednesday. I uh, talked to a Pentecostal guy the Saturday before that, and uh, talked to my Catholic neighbor. Talked to uh, last month. I talked to several Church of Christ people I, uh, about the Bible. It's trying to tell them that salvation is a free gift. I had talked to Mormons in the past. Uh, you name the religious group, and I found out they do one thing: they all refer to uh, Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and tell you, "Well, we follow Jesus." All these groups do. Well, Jesus was not talking to the body of Christ. He never even mentioned the body of Christ because there was no body of Christ until Paul. And he said, I am not coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, to the Syrophoenician Gentile woman in uh, Matthew 15. And in Matthew 10, he told them the 12 not to even go to Gentiles. And Paul was not one of the 12, incidentally. Anyway, the Bible says three times he refers to Paul's gospel is the one we're supposed to follow. And Paul refers to himself as apostle of the Gentile 18 times. So um, he says over and over again, we're going to be judged according to the gospel that he preached, which is Jesus Christ's gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. So why do all the churches in San Antonio and Austin and Dallas, 
uh, Houston, etc., that claim to be evangelical, not, not, in, not mentioning the cults, they all do the same thing. They all teach Jesus Christ according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus was under the law in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Peter said, you see that in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Well, we're not saved by works today. And it says in uh, Romans 11, says that it's no more of works. Jesus plainly says in Romans 4 or 5 that him, to him that works not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So we've got a problem with dispensations, you know, and Ron, Pastor Ron uses the NIV, and that's uh, the word dispensation is removed completely out of there. The New Age people have made sure of that. But he continues to use that version, and it's just a deception, you know. I hate to say it, but... I, we call that version the Nutty Idiots version. No offense to you or anything else if you use that version, but these modern translations are fake, and they're designed for one thing, and that's to deceive people. So whether well, it's a Rick, or a, do you have a question, Rick? Yeah, so why uh, why um, does, does uh, your Bible teachers all uh, use Bibles that delete the word dispensation when it's so important that we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins was buried and rose again, according to Paul's gospel. They're all teaching out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You go to any Sunday service in San Antonio or any other city, and they're almost always teaching out of those books when they should be preaching out of Paul's books. Okay. We're under grace today. They were under work, uh, under a law system. You understand what I'm saying? Got I, I understand, Rick, and, and thank you for your call. I'll, I'll, I'll take your question, and then you can listen on the air. Thank you for calling, Rick. Uh, so, Rick, here's the first thing. I can't answer for what the other churches uh, teach or, or don't teach. Um, I, all we do here at Calvary Chapel is teach uh, systematically through the Word of God and and what we do is we emphasize exactly what you said it's the the gospel of Jesus Christ and it isn't even the gospel itself that saves it's who the gospel points to it's the person of Christ that saves we want people to know Jesus we want to know we want them to know that in him forgiveness of sin is available and so if if there are other churches, and I understand and I echo the same sentiment, there are plenty of churches that teach uh, Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. Well, that doesn't save anyone. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a Pauline epistle, but he says very clearly what he teaches. I remind you, brothers, of this gospel, that one I preach to you, which you receive and which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that's as simple as it gets, Rick. What the other churches do and what they don't do is not my prerogative. And quite frankly, Rick, it's not yours. You know, we it's not our responsibility to go into different churches and, and correct them. And, and now, if they teach something that's inerrant... Uh, they will have to stand before the Lord for that. But uh, I can't control what they do. Uh, all I can do is make sure what we do here at Calvary Chapel is we teach the Bible. And it has nothing to do with anything else. Now, my heart breaks just like yours does, Rick, because you're right. Even here in our own town, there is so much bad teaching, even false teaching about Jesus Christ, about the Word of God. And in these churches, people are getting ripped off. And, and, and that's, that angers me. The same way you're so passionate about it. Me too, Rick. I, 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 I wish that God would correct their hearts. And the people who are responsible in these churches will have to, again, stand before the Lord and take account for this. But in the meantime, 
what we do is we do exactly what Paul the Apostle outlined here in 1 Corinthians 15. We preach and teach the Bible so that people will get saved. So, um, yes, it's heartbreaking, Rick. Uh, for us here, we, we teach the NIV. We teach out of the NIV 84 because at the time when we started, it was what was most popular. It was most readily available. There's nothing heretical about the translation itself. I understand that people may think that there is, but it's not the translation itself that we adhere to. It's the Word of God. Um, I don't need to get into uh, discussions about the, 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 the amounts of art, artifacts and documents that are still extant. Um, we don't, the Alexandrian manuscripts from where we get the modern translations is not heretical, but uh, that's not even the point. The main point is we preach one thing, Christ and Christ crucified. That's all Paul the Apostle said he wants to talk about, and that's all we want to talk about. And so, Rick, I, I don't know if that can, if that even answers your question directly, but what what the Mormons, what the Jehovah Witnesses do, what the Catholics and all the other churches do, it it really isn't my or your responsibility to go into their churches and fix them. We pray for them that God would convict their hearts and that that Jesus would be revealed, the Jesus of the Bible, and that people would get saved. You know, I, I alluded to a passage earlier in Second um, Timothy chapter 2, but I think this is pertinent, Rick. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, read this out of my Bible here. This is, this is, I think, what's important for us to remember. The servant of the Lord uh, shouldn't argue. This is in verse 24. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must, here's the key, gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance. It's Jesus, through the power of his spirit, who convicts the heart of sinful man. And then when he does this, something begins to happen. He said, he will lead them to a knowledge of the truth. So God's the one that leads people to a knowledge of the truth. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, in verse 26, that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So, Rick, it's as simple as uh, letting the Spirit of God used the Word of God to convict the hearts of sinful men that people would get saved. And when people misrepresent the Lord, yes, that, that does anger us. When they misinterpret and twist the Scriptures for a specific agenda, yes, that angers us as well. But ultimately, they're the ones that are going to have to answer to the Lord about that. Ah. So, anyways, Rick, thanks for your call. Um, let me give you the phone numbers. If anyone is out there that would like to call in with a question, the phone numbers here to the radio studio is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585, the toll-free number, 877-630-5757. Eight seven seven six three zero five seven five seven. That's KSLR on your phone. Uh, questions at calvarysa.com. That's the email address to submit questions. That's questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the second half um, tonight. If you just tuned in tonight, you know here at Calvary Chapel is the is our Old Testament Bible study night. So uh, since Pastor Ron is out of town, Pastor Rich Ortiz will be teaching from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Again, a wonderful, wonderful, encouraging passage. Uh, if you're able to join us, that's at 7 o'clock tonight here in the sanctuary. And we'd love to have you. Uh, 
I wanted to continue on uh, a question that I began to answer at the end of the first half, and that had to do, it was Rich's question, uh, how would you encourage someone who feels called to be a pastor, and what advice would you give them? Excuse me. Uh, I began to say, right as the first half uh, started to come to a close, uh, that uh, as if you're called to be a pastor, you'll know it because not only will you have a deep love for God's Word, but you'll have a deep love for God's people. You can't be uh, a pastor. Well, I take that back. You can be, but you won't be an effective pastor. You don't love God's people. And pastor isn't just something you can apply and give yourself a title. It's got to be a calling. We know from Ephesians chapter 4 that uh, pastors, being a pastor, is just one of the many gifts that God uh, gives, spiritual gifts that he gives to the body. And he also he goes on to say that, that pastors are a gift to the body because it is us who teach the Word of God. And through the Word of God, Jesus is revealed to hearts. And people can be convicted of their sin and get saved. But it's not just teaching the Word of God. You've got to have a heart for God's people. If I stood there at the pulpit and taught God's Word mechanically, uh, even technically, I, I would be speaking about things that have no practical value. And I would be focused on using 50-cent words without ministering to the hearts that are hurting in the seats in front of me. What good is that? What good is that? But if I have uh, a shepherd's heart, if I have a heart, Jesus's heart, for the people whom he cares about so much, then not only will I teach the Word of God, but I'll also demonstrate it and communicate it and, 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 and help them apply it in their lives. That means that when they're in sin, because I love them, I have to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. And in this day and age, uh, that's just not a popular thing to do. But as a pastor, you have to understand it's the most loving thing you can do. How can I stand uh, by while the one whom Jesus loves, the one whom has been entrusted into my care, is living a miserable life of sin and pretend like everything's okay? Because I love them, because Jesus loves them. I've got to tell them the truth. And this is what God's Word says. You need to repent before things get worse. That's the kind of heart that a pastor has to have because that's Jesus' heart. And it's through that shepherd's heart where you realize, when you know, when Jesus was, was serving breakfast on the shore there in John, at the end of John's Gospel, and to, you know, the, the, the scene when Peter is restored back into ministry, Jesus tells him, feed my sheep, tend to my flock. That's exactly what he's saying to a pastor. These are the people that I have entrusted to you for your care. Now, they make their individual choice. Their salvation doesn't depend upon me. All I have to do is simply be faithful to teach the Word of God as God leads me to. And then it's the Spirit of God that does the work. John chapter 16, to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So that's a shepherd's heart. Uh, Rich, again, I hope that encourages you. It is a good thing to be called um, into pastoral ministry. Just, number one, make sure your motive is right. And number two, uh, you dig into the Word of God and don't stop. And number three, you, you've got to love God's people because He loves them. I hope that helps. Uh, 
let me give you your phone numbers. We still have a few minutes left here in the show to take your calls. Um, uh, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. We've got another caller on line one. David from San Antonio. You're on the air. Okay. Are you now okay? Hi, David. Oh. Hey. Hi, David. You're on the air. Hey, what's your stand on dispensational teaching? Hi, David. Thanks. Well, thanks for taking. Thanks for uh, asking. We actually here at Calvary Chapel, we are dispensational in in how we teach the Bible and how we view the scriptures. So we are uh, a pre-trib. Uh, in our uh, eschatology and dispensational in our theology. Does that help? Okay. Yeah, so uh, that we're now in the dispensation of grace. That's right, absolutely. So, so, so Paul's letters uh, really are now from revelation of Jesus Christ to his church. Paul's letters are our manual for life today, Romans through Philemon. Well, I would say, yeah, yes, but I would say the entirety of Scripture, the whole counsel of God is what we use. Right, but in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you can see that uh, uh, if you don't forgive your brother on earth, your Father in heaven won't forgive you, right. and then that no longer applies. We all come short of the glory of God, but... Now, well, we're forgiven. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, I, I'm glad you bring that up, David. Here's here's how we understand dispensational th- uh, theology. It, it, it chronologically, even though we are in this dispensation of grace, which are absolutely correct, uh, it doesn't mean that chronologically we're limited to the timeline in which the the epistles or the the New Testament was written. If we did, then then you're right. We would be limited to uh, just the the Pauline letters and excluding the Gospels. But that's not what dispensational teaching means. Dispensational teaching simply means we take a literal uh, interpretation of the Word of God, and what that means, especially when you when you what you brought up in Matthew chapter five during the Beatitudes, it doesn't mean that that doesn't apply to us. Though you're you're right in the context of what Jesus was saying, the Jewishness of the Gospels is what's important when we're understanding the context. Though, even if he's He's writing and he's speaking in a Jewish context. Understanding that, we can then uh, apply what he's teaching uh, in terms of uh, how it applies to us today. So here's what I mean. When you quoted uh, the Beatitudes there, the the Sermon on the Mount, um, you're right. We read that as a standard for perfection. That's that's what's required for entrance into heaven. Now, with the audience being completely Jewish, what Jesus was telling them was, look, if you want to enter into heaven apart from me, then this is the standard. This and then he ends the Sermon on the Mount with, "Be ye perfect, for your God in heaven is perfect." And what he was communicating to them was, "This is impossible for you to do." Now we take that in this age of dispensation, and we know that's not the standard. We're not. We can't try to take Matthew chapter five and six and apply that to our lives because we don't live according to the law. But we know that faith in Christ, because Jesus, according to to Romans, is the complete fulfillment of the law, then we don't have to worry about living according to that standard. Yes, there is forgiveness, complete forgiveness in Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law and the righteousness of God that, that the Pharisees were trying to attain to through works is impossible. But through faith in him... It's imputed to us. That's Second Corinthians chapter five. So, David, you're you're uh, you're absolutely right in that we are dispensational in our theology and our interpretation of the scripture. And what, but what that doesn't mean is that we're just limited to the Pauline epistles. 
Paul himself said, we take the entire counsel of God. Remember when he was saying bye to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20? Uh, he was saying, look, when I taught you, I taught you from the entirety of scriptures. And he was saying, that's what we use. We use the full, um, the, the full panoply of God's scripture to apply to our lives. Uh, understanding, again, the scriptures in its context. We don't take the Old Testament and apply the law to our lives. But we do, in this age of grace, take Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. And then we can live, uh, not according to the law, but in the fulfillment that he has provided for us. So that's, in, in too many words probably, is what dispensational theology means. And, and I would add too, David, it's, uh, it's the only way that really makes sense to interpret the Bible from a literal perspective. Uh, there are other ways, uh, other methods, other theologies, uh, other ways to interpret the Bible, but uh, quite honestly, they, they require more scriptural gym, gymnastics than, uh, than really what makes sense. So don't limit yourself, David, yeah. to just living into the chronological time frame of Romans all the way through um, the, the, the end of the Pauline epistles. Through Philemon, yeah. In Hebrews, you can lose your salvation three times. So it's obviously not written by Paul, but in uh, Acts 9, 5, <laughs> Paul was sent by Jesus Christ himself with... That's right. Spiritual revelation to uh, the new church, and it was about grace and the new gospel. Is uh, David? I, I've got to go. The, resurrection the music is already playing. I, I apologize if I'm having to cut you off. But I, I think we're almost on the same page here. If if I didn't answer your question properly, you can call back tomorrow at four o'clock. Pastor Ron will be back, and I'm sure he'll be able to answer your question in a better way. In the meantime, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for joining us on A Word to Stand On for Life. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Oh,